You're listening to the Opportunity Zones and Private Equity Show. Listen in for news and insights on how Opportunity Zones, private equity funds, and private real estate can help you grow your wealth. Now, here's your host, Jimmy Atkinson. Welcome to the show. I'm Jimmy Atkinson. Something a little different on today's episode. We're talking about primarily non-opportunity zone, single tenant net lease funds. My guest today is Hannah Kirby of HH Kirby Real Estate Ventures, and she joins us today from Washington, North Carolina. Hannah, thanks for coming on the show. Great to see you again. How are you? You're welcome. Great. Great. Great to see you again as well. Well, before we dive into today's topic, single tenant net lease, single tenant net lease funds, you know, I'm sure my audience, Hannah, a lot of high net worth investors, a lot of advisors may already be somewhat familiar with you since you've been active in the Opportunity Zone space previously. But for those who may be unfamiliar with you, can you give us a little bit more of your background story? Where'd you come from? Who are you? What are you doing? <laughs> well, I, I relocated to North Carolina from Southern California uh, a few years ago and immediately jumped into Opportunity Zones because the the law was passed, it was 2017. And I, I thought at the time that basically it was a great idea for tertiary markets. So I started with OZs in these very tertiary markets and became acquainted with a lot of small towns in North Carolina and a lot of necessity for OZ investment. And um, as the years evolved and as OZs evolved, I found that I had much I provided much more value to local OZs, so more or less communities that wanted to set up their own funds with some local people and providing them with um, sort of the, the economics of all of it. You know, how would the capital stack pan out? How would this look, you know, if they refined in five years? Um, things like that. So I got involved with on a lot of different asset classes. Actually, I worked with an airport. Um, worked with a couple of shopping centers, a um, couple of um, uh, uh, student housing developments and things like that and in areas that I had no idea even existed <laughs> in North Carolina. So that's how that's basically. And uh, my work in OZs on, in Western North Carolina, kind of I, in, I was introduced to a developer who has subsequently become the uh, build a suit developer for a couple of different asset classes. One of them, a quick serve restaurant that's really well known here in the South called Bojangles, and another, um, the a car wash out of Georgia, so called Big Peach Car Wash. So the 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 so I sort of migrated from OZs into car washes, and I don't know if that's a natural migration or not. Interesting. Well, it's, it's your migration, at least. And we've got one yeah. thing in common. We're both out of Southern California now. I, I moved from Southern California to Fort Worth, Texas a few years ago. You moved from Southern California to North Carolina a few years ago. And uh, yeah, Hannah, you were actually on the uh, the podcast previously. I'll, I'll make sure to link to that yes. episode in today's show notes for today's episode at opportunitydb.com slash podcast. That was a few years back, but if anybody wants to see what Hannah was up to a few years ago, <laughs> you can learn more at that episode. So why did you uh, move out of opportunity zones, though. I'm just kind of curious uh, well, about, about your I path out of again, I think I found that my value was more like start of, sort of starting to do these capital stacks and sort of pro forma capitalization for developers. And um, and the OZs didn't, in tertiary markets, didn't really gain much traction. 
You know, um, you know, a lot of the OZs became, you know, really big funds, as you well know. Um, I still have a really nice, like beautiful opportunity zone project going on in Bishop, California, which if you grew up in Southern California, you're familiar with Mammoth and Mammoth um, ski area. So at any rate, yeah, I still have a project in downtown Bishop. But, you know, again, they're... Um, the really small funds have been difficult unless you have a lot of local participation. And I think that's the key to the really small funds is that you really do have to bring local investors into the fray because they understand what you're doing, you know, on a local level rather than, you know, that 500 unit, you know, multifamily is pretty much self-explanatory in Chicago, but it's not, you know, in rural North Carolina. <laughs> Or in or in Bishop California, maybe. By the or way, or in featured, Bishop California. And we we featured that Bishop uh, development you in, did. Uh, on the show um, some time yeah. back as well. So I'll link to that in the show notes for today's episode yeah. as well. That's still a great project that's that's ongoing, yeah. if I understand correctly, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful project. I mean, the, you know, the the plans are lovely for it, and yeah, again, it's you know the the financials work out well, so it's a, definitely and, worth a look at. Good. <laughs> Good. And so now you've kind of moved into this this new space and, you know, kind of to tee it up, you know, you're 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 trying to be attractive to individual investors in the real estate investment space. And so what are what are options for individual investors if they want to get into the real estate investment space? I guess they can they can invest into REITs, they can invest right. into ETFs that are often structured as REITs. They can buy and hold proper property directly, direct ownership. They can get involved with private placement funds. Um, one type of private placement fund is the the types of funds you're working on, Hannah, right. which are single tenant net lease funds. So, so tell us a little bit more about about um, about those options available to individual investors, and and what is the uh, appeal of single tenant net lease funds? Okay, um, that's a lot to unpack. <laughs> um, at any rate, so so basically, as you mentioned, there's a lot of different avenues for individual investors to be in real estate, you know, and, you know, depending on your level of risk, you know, you could go from all the way from a re, you know, or an ETF into, you know, private placement fund, which is what we're representing. Single tenant net lease is very popular with real estate investment trusts, primarily because of their security. So they're almost equated to the equity level of the bond market, if you were in, in terms of their level of risk and, um, and returns. So you're looking at, uh, like, think, for instance, Starbucks or think McDonald's. The, the McDonald's doesn't typically hold its real estate. It will build, you know, it may buy a piece of real estate, it may build a, a building on that real estate, but by and large, they do not want to hold that real estate on their books because they're not in the real estate business. They're in the burger business. And so it makes more sense for them to basically sell that asset off and lease it back. And from an economic standpoint, anybody that looks at this kind of scenario can see it's much it's much more beneficial for me to have an expense called a lease than it is for me to have an asset that doesn't necessarily add to my evidence. 
So I'm not making money on the real estate if I hold it, right? I'm, but I'm, I can get to expense off that lease. And from a debt standpoint, when you're looking at like building larger structures and things like that, when we look at, you know, more institutional single tenant net leases, um, you know, the asset itself self could cost several million dollars. So, you know, if you're talking about a $15 million industrial building that I'm going to, you know, my, my factory is going to be in, it doesn't necessarily make sense for that $15 million in assets just to be there from a bank. So moving on, we decided that um, since um, we have the arrangement to build these assets for the for the owner, so we're looking at, for instance, with Big Peach Car Wash, right? These guys started off with one store in Forsyth. They quickly ramped that that revenue stream up to two million bucks a year. So now they're basically operating, they're the owners operators of that, they still own the real estate, but they would like to build another car wash. So in order for them to basically build another car wash, they're going to have to borrow money. And this is the real key to single tenant net lease and why the owners typically it, don't hold the assets because when you wanna go and build another building, Right, you got to borrow money to do that. We already borrowed money from the first building, so now you got to pay that loan off before you get the new loan to build a new building. Hence comes, let's sell it to a group of investors. We lease it from them, and we assume all of the expenses. So the taxes, we assume the taxes, we assume the maintenance, and we assume the, um, I said taxes and maintenance, taxes, maintenance, insurance, everything that goes along with operating the business or operating the asset, right? So the, the owner, the landlord, if you will, which is now, in our case, a fund that we've put together, we can basically own this asset, collect the rent for 30 years or more on that asset and not have any responsibility for it under the lease agreement. And that's that's the key. This is really the big benefit to both individual investors and to the owners or the or the operators. So moving into institutionalizing this, which has been done all over the place to the tune of about $70 billion worth of institutional assets sitting out there in single tenant net lease, most individual investors can't get into this space unless they are, you know, participating in a re or if they have a lot of cash that they could throw at them because they're expensive assets. So with a fund, we can offer a, um, an individual accredited investor an investment level that makes sense for them. So say 25 to $50,000, you know, which, makes, which makes sense that now you're participating in this asset class, which again, is very difficult to get into because it's, because it's expensive, plus it's really popular. So there's some deep pockets there that can basically, you know, um, buy these up. So that's that's it in a nutshell. So instead of needing, you know, a, a few million dollars to to buy a, a strip mall or a car wash or a you know the land that the McDonald's or the Bojangles is on top of, an individual investor can come in, write you a check for twenty five k 
maybe 50K, somewhere in that range, maybe 100K or more. Yeah. If you're comfortable with that and get fractionalized ownership in this fund that right. uh, that that holds that property. So is this um this is this is like a triple net lease situation, but it's a single tenant, right? Is that is that it, basically it, it? That's exactly it. Yeah, it's it, that's exactly it. Yeah, it's triple net all the way, and it but it's one tenant. So all of the assets that are sitting in this um, fund, these particular funds, will be owned will be basically rented by the same um, lessee. Got it. And so a fund and that you're Right, I'm understood. Sorry. Understood. Yeah. The 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 fund that your investors come into, do you have one big multi-asset fund that has multiple properties that are all single yes. net lease or yeah, okay, but so they're but they're the same asset class and they're, and they're the same asset oper and operator. So basically, we've diversified on location. Got it. But we're not diversifying on, we may in the future actually offer, you know, like, you know, Dairy Queen, a Starbucks, a, you know, a Bojangles and, you know, a car wash, you know. But right now we're focusing on expanding the car wash. Um, and to do that, basically, we want, we we will keep all of the, the same owners, the same operators will be part of it. And the other thing is the partnership, the GP partnership in the fund is actually the owners of the car wash. So oh, okay. Okay. sponsor <laughs> actually is the, are the current owners of the car wash plus, plus our development team, you know, plus the management team. Good. So how does, um, you know, if, if, if I'm an investor looking at this opportunity, how does this type of fund differ from getting into a REIT, let's say? Um, first of all, you have to be an accredited investor. So it differs that way. So, so sure. basically, and I think the biggest difference is, is you're looking at, you know, with a re you're more or less investing in a stock, right. Or an ETF, you know, you're more or less, you're more or less looking at thousands of assets that move in and out of the fund, you know, so with a re obviously they're acquiring assets. They have a whole team of people that are out there looking for those assets to acquire. So from an expense standpoint, right, their, their, their expenditures are far greater than ours because we're already building the assets. We already know where, where they'll be, when they'll get built, and when they'll be done, ready to lease. But with, you know, with a REIT, you're, they're moving assets in and out of those REITs all the time. So they're selling you know, aging assets and they're buying new assets. Um, so, and that's a big part of their admin, you know, is buying and selling real estate. And it has to be just because that by the nature of what they're doing, you know, what they do, you know, it, it is that. So the expense ratio is much different for us because we basically, we, we know what assets are going to be participating in the fund. And your fund is typically more concentrated. It's oftentimes much more concentrated than, than a huge multi-asset REIT might be. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. Well, uh, do you ever structure these as 1031 exchange deals or, or DSTs for investors who want to take advantage of that section of the tax code? I'm not sure. Um, we haven't yet. Um, they may they may qualify. Um, I more or less I think of 1031s as having to be a like for like exchange. Mm -hmm. So if somebody had, a, you know, that, let, let's say a quick serve restaurant, because car wash, most people don't exchange car washes yet, um, but it would have to be a one for one. Um, I'm, 
that would be outside of the fund. I think the fund's purview because because from a 1031 standpoint, I'm not sure whether or not we'd qualify as a like for like. Understood. Uh, so whether or not a fractional share in a fund would qualify. Yeah, I think it would have to be structured as a Delaware statutory trust, but we'll leave that there. Yeah. Now. Maybe maybe you can revisit us in a year when you get your DST set up, possibly. That's <laughs> but... true. That's true. That is something that's come up a lot. One of yeah. the things that we are looking at right now is um, self-directed IRAs. Yeah, so, so talk to me more number, about that. Yeah, yeah, a number of, of um, outlets, if you will, or a number of custodial out outlets are advertising now the ability to take portions of your IRA and invest them in real estate and invest them in other asset classes, aside from the standard, you know, um, Charles Schwab, you know, Ameritrade type of IRA custodial mm -hmm. agreement. And these are called self-directed IRAs. So um, I apparently being self-directed, you get to decide what asset you're going to invest in. They remain the custodial um, account holder for those um, investments. And you get to have the tax advantages still of holding that asset in your IRA with the enhanced returns of real estate. So we're um, exploring this and we have partnered with one called Alto IRA. And um, Again, they they are, uh, you know, you sign up, you you move your IRA or portions of your IRA to their custodial, um, their custodial platform, if you will. And then you are able to participate in our fund. Yeah, so that, uh, yeah, self-directed IRAs. Fund right now, yeah. Right, yeah, self-directed IRAs are fascinating to me. Um, we're starting to cover them a little bit more at our new wealth channel platform taxfreeinvesting.co. But frankly, I don't really know a whole lot about them just yet. But I, I do know that, you know, unlike a, a traditional IRA that you hold at Schwab or Fidelity or Vanguard, and you really only can invest in publicly traded securities, right. stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs. With a uh, with a with a self-directed IRA, you can invest in private placement vehicles and and more more real estate. And it it seems like it's uh, very investor friendly. Gives the investor a lot more options. Hannah, I I, I kind of like that. Um, I think it's smart of you to to partner with with that group Alto, and I'll, I'll make sure to link to Alto in the in the show notes for today's episode as well. Hey, talk to me, Hannah, about the sectors that you're in with respect to your single tenant net leases, why quick serve restaurants and why car washes? Maybe you can give us the bull case. Well, car, washes, car washes are probably the most fun only since they've become the darlings of private equity. So a lot of car washes, the one, one thing interesting about car washes is the, the like five largest car wash holders, right? Private equity firms that hold car washes probably have touched about 3% of the market share. There, there are mom and pop car washes everywhere. So if you look at it from that standpoint, right, the even acquisition level, you know, of existing mom and pops, private equity has decided that this is, you know, the new darling. And again, the revenue model shifted for car washes. So once the technology became such that you could sign up for a membership and get your car washed for like 30 bucks a month as many times as you wanted to. That 
made car washes like a, a consistent revenue stream, right? So you have guaranteed revenue. So I can predict my, in a pro forma way, right? I can predict my revenue stream five years out. And, and then by those predictions, I can also predict an IRR for investors. Um, so now I can say, okay, I can give you 17% on a car wash investment. And I think that's why private equity has jumped all over these guys. As a matter of fact, Big Peach, the, 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 the car wash that we are, are working with is in, in negotiations right now to expand considerably with, a, with private equity. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a lot yeah. like um, it's, it sounds a lot like self-storage or maybe where self-storage was a decade ago, right? You got the recurring yeah. revenue coming in. And a lot of these private equity firms yeah. have rolled up a lot of these mom and pop shops. Maybe maybe that's where car. That's amazing that the biggest investors only hold three percent of the market. It's really. Yeah. It, yeah, it may be a little bit yeah. more now. I mean, my data may be a little bit older because, you know, things go by so quickly anymore, especially when you start looking things up. Um, but yeah, it, it's it is. I mean, there's a there's a a I mean, there are mom and pop car washes everywhere, and they're not necessarily the express car washes, but they're building them like crazy. And I, and I live in a very small town, and we have two. We well, we have one built operating, and we have another one going in. Mm. So, and I can imagine, you know, what like like I always think about, well, you know, Southern California, right? You can't wash your car in Southern California because there's no water. So at any rate, they've also adapted the technology such that they're very environmentally friendly. So water reclamation is huge. Chemical reclamation, you know, separating chemicals out of the water. Those kinds of things are huge with this new technology. There's a number of organizations now that have that are, you know, enhancing all the computer technology behind these car washes and things like that. So, yeah, I think uh, I think from that, they're stable. I mean, everybody's got to wash their car, at least most wash their car. Uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, it's one of those things that it's also internet proof, right? Because you physically go there. So it's, you know, it's not, you know, even in a bad economy, most people are going to still wash their car. Hmm. So, yeah. It's, and it's, what about, and what about quick, what about quick serve? Restaurants. Well, give give me the bold case for for Bojangles and other types of yeah. They've already like been. I mean, the, the thing about you know the thing about that. If you look at you know Starbucks, if you look at um, any of them, uh, you know uh, if you if you go out on any website and you know search for single tenant net lease properties, the bulk of those properties are going to be quick serve restaurants. They're going to be Dairy Queen. You know, they're going to be Burger King. They're going to be. Um, you know, any Taco Bell, you know, the other area, then the other asset class that I think is really big in, in um, single tenant, not least our drugstores, Q, QBC, Walgreens, um, you know, those kinds of those kinds, because the tenants, they're built to suit. So the buildings, it's the, the, the asset is actually built for, built for that tenant, right? So that tenant is going to lease that asset for at least 20 years. So, so you have a, you know, you have a rental, you know, agreement there that's 20 years long. I mean, you have steady, you know, guaranteed income if you buy the asset. 
Unless, of course, you know, you know, things go wrong and, you know, they go bankrupt and, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Right. Thing in there's always risks in investing. There's, there's, there's no sure risks. thing. <laughs> I, would, I would never like discount the risks. But one thing about single tenant net lease and why it's so popular and why it's so institutionalized is its stability. Mm-hmm. You know, again, again, it's it's kind of like there's a lot there's a lot to be said for aligning it with the bonds of of equity markets. Yeah, I know it's it's uh, a little. I guess I guess you can say it's a little lower risk, although the risk is concentrated. But uh, yeah, but the, you're always going to have well, a trade off there. The, let's talk about um, your fund administration because before we uh, started recording this episode, you were you were starting to talk to me about how you're handling a lot of your investor transactions on a distributed ledger, also known yeah. as blockchain. Tell me more about that. What, <laughs> We're what's really going on there? excited about this. And this was through a colleague of mine that, you know, of all of us that were in the OZ space, attended a number of conferences and things like that through the year. And, you know, you had, you know, so at any rate, this was through a colleague that um, left one of the big REITs um, that was a single tenant net lease REIT. Um, uh, to work with a, the formation of a new um, fund administration platform called Veravend. Hmm. And Veravend, I, the, the only thing I can say about it is it's like the Venmo of fundraising, of fund administration. So they provide the, what they call is in the investor experience. They provide a platform for the investor where the investor interacts with that platform and not necessarily with you. So say I have, you know, my investors, they're they're interested in my fund. I can say, hey, are you interested in the car wash fund? Yeah, I think I could be in the car wash fund, you know, for this or that, right? I don't necessarily have to put that person in my spreadsheet, get their bank account information, right? Notify them by email, which will probably go once your email goes off of the screen. We all know that email is lost forever. You know, <laughs> it's like, sorry, once you're off the screen, you're done. Very yeah. true. Yeah, I know. So they don't have to make sure that they get an email from me for a cash call, right? I can send out a cash call that go that, that basically they'll get they'll get it like a notification, you know, from the platform that, that there's a cash call out there. Are you in? Are you, you know? Basically, yeah, I'm in for, you know, I'm in for X. They hit a button, right? And the transaction occurs. If and it's I'm, already linked to their bank account. And it's already, it's already got their, I don't their have their bank PYC account information. Info. It's on a yeah. distributed ledger. It's blockchain. Nobody can, I don't transact with their bank anymore, which is, I think, a wonderful way to do business with that, you know, mostly anybody. Now, if we, well, if we look at it, how we do, how we buy things, right? We buy things on Amazon, and most of us have our own Amazon account. And when we want to go buy things, we go click. Okay, I want to, you know, I want to buy that, you know, thing. And and so we're we're used to this now, right? So why not transfer that user experience to to basically your you know fund fund administration, right? Where you know cash call. Oh, yay. Okay, good. I'm done. I clicked. It took me 10 minutes, right? Or less, right? To basically fulfill that. They have record of it. If you look at that, there's a number of YouTube videos out by these guys. And if you look at it, I mean, they have a full on basically historical record of everything that they've done. And so do I, you know, from the fund level, you know, so there's a public that they have a public 
area where I can post, I can post updates, I can post new store and you know, new fund announcements, I can do quarterly reporting. They don't have to look for those quarter, you know, they don't have to look for those K-1s. For for our we use um and you know our auditing firm or you know basically our accounting firm can also download all of the K1s, all of the all the tax information directly into their account. It's automatically there. They just go in the account. You know, and they don't have to worry about me emailing it or heaven forbid it goes in the mail. <laughs> you know, that never happens anymore, I don't think. But no. in any no, we're, we're, we're really excited about it. We're really excited about, um, you know, kind of being on this cutting edge of the, you know, the blockchain technology, not in crypto, but, you know, right, right. using that, using the security of blockchain technology to secure the investor experience, I think is really significant. No, so, it sounds, sounds really neat. I'll, I'll make sure to link to Veravend on the show notes for today's episode. Yeah. I've got some work to do. They'll I'm be sure. really happy if you do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Hey, Hannah, that we're kind of winding down our time here today. Um, thanks for joining, by the way. It's been great getting Thank your you insights so today. Um, before I let you go, just a couple more questions to hit you with. I'm just curious, you know, given your expertise and experience in private equity, real estate, what do you feel are some of the most important trends in commercial real estate that investors should have their eye on going forward? Aside from like the, the you know the, the the new move you know like the asset classes shifting away from uh, you know the uh, multifamily model you know we're we're looking at these different things. One area I think that's going to be huge is going to be industrial, and I think for the same reasons that quick serve restaurants and drugstores and, and car washes offer a single tenant net lease option, I think industrial industrial buildings are going to go that way as well where you know, you're gonna see them offloading the real estate because why? And it makes sense for an investor because basically now the investor gets to participate in that growth, you know, in that in that growth without necessarily, you know, being able to buy like a you know $40 million building. But I think industrial is huge, but it also one of the areas, and I know I've spoke to you about this before because I'm really keen on it, is franchising. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these, you know, McDonald's being, you know, a huge franchise um, organization, as well as the other quick serve restaurants, you know, franchising these franchising car services. I think another thing, I think one of the things that's going to piggyback on car wash is going to be oil change and certainly collision centers, those kinds of maintenance organizations where you can set up in every given community, right? And once you have the blueprint for the franchise, once you know how to operate these successfully and, you know, um, you can bring in franchisees that, you know, once they they follow the mold, they're going to make money. That's a great way. I think that I think that's a great option for individual investors. But, you know, and I also think owning, you know, again, I'm flipping it over. You know, if you own the franchised, um, you know, asset real estate, you know. You're going to make money. Yeah. Well, no, nothing wrong with making a little money. <laughs> hey, Hannah, this has been great. Uh, where can our audience of high net worth investors and advisors go to learn more about you and and some of your opportunities? I, mean, I should feel like I should pop up a QR code, and I was almost going to do that. 
Um, <laughs> so here's my QR code. On my my, you could reach me at hhkirby at hhkirby.com. Um, and basically, if you're interested in what we're doing with with the um, with the single tenant net lease funds, which we hope you are, the um, the website is kodiakstnl.io. All right. Well, I'll make sure to link to that and your email address in the show notes for today's episode. And we'll have show notes available as we always do at opportunitydb.com slash podcast. I'll have links to all of the resources that Hannah and I discussed on today's episode. And please be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube or your favorite podcast listening platform to always get the latest episodes. Hannah, thanks again so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. You as well. Thanks. Take care. That's it for today's show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a rating and review to help spread the word to other investors. And we'll be back soon with another episode.